0: oh hey i'm so glad that you found us my name is michael and i get to be the pastor at shepherds community united methodist church in lakeland florida you're listening to the it's better when you're here podcast where every week we upload the messages that are preached at our church every sunday we hope by listening to this uh, you feel safe heard and loved by the god that created you we hope this message makes an impact in your life if listening to this makes a difference reach out to us and connect with us either on social media or on our website, shepherdsumc.com. All right, here's the message. Today, we are continuing our series called Be With Me, Sit With Me, Walk With Me. Our passage is from Matthew chapter 7, uh, verses 7 through 14. So if you have a paper Bible, you can open there. Now, if you have your phone, you can Google that. Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 14. I'm going to be reading the scripture throughout my sermon this morning and so we'll be jumping around a little bit so just keep your finger there. We're continuing this series talking about hospitality. And friends, today the circles of people who surround us shows us how close we are to becoming like Jesus. And those circles might need to look differently than you might think. This whole series is centers around the reality that the Christian life is a process. Christian life is a process. It is not a place that we arrive to and we never change. In fact, the Christian life is a process that we continue to grow. I'm going to give you a nerdy math word. You ready? You did not ask for this on the weekend. But the Christian life, in many ways, is asymptotic. Everyone say asymptotic. (laughs) Meaning that we get closer and closer to a point of holiness. We become closer and closer to the presence of Jesus. And and John Wesley, the founder of United Methodism, said that if you rely on God's grace enough, you can actually touch that point of holiness. I don't think I've gotten there just yet, friends, but I'm getting closer and closer. That's my goal, getting closer and closer to Jesus every single day. And that's the Christian life. It is a process. In this series, we've also talked about how hospitality is Christian practice, That if we're going to be like Jesus, if we're going to look like Jesus, if we're going to do a Jesus impression, if you will, we need to practice hospitality. And today I want to push us to a place where we're experiencing radical hospitality. You see, hospitality is being friendly. Radical hospitality is opening the door even wider so more folks can come in, folks who think that they shouldn't be there in the first place. Radical hospitality. Last week, we realized that paying attention is a way that we can draw closer to Christ. We talked about how in a distracted world, the people of shepherds can be attentive to those around us. We can pay closer attention, thereby becoming more like Jesus. Today, the thing I'm going to say a lot, the thing I hope gets stuck in your head, the thing I hope you take from today is this. As Christ transforms our hearts, we must do the work to transform our circles. As Christ transforms our hearts, we must do the work to transform our circles. All right, so let's read our scripture, uh, at least the first half of it, Matthew chapter seven, verses seven through 14. Hear the word of the Lord. Ask and you will receive. Search and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, Receives. Whoever seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door is open. Who among you will give your children a stone when they ask for bread? Or give them a snake when they ask for a fish? When I was a kid, this scripture messed with my head so much. I was so afraid of snakes. I watched The Mummy, and it just... And so every time I read this, I was like, I hope my dad never gives me a snake. Anyways... If you, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good things to those who ask him? This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Woo! So Christ is not some far-off mystery, but actually close at hand. That's what the scripture teaches us. In the time of Jesus, there was these things called mystery cults. And they were religions that were centered around the idea of mystery. And so you'd have some sort of leader that would tell you that he was talking for God. and You never knew what he was actually saying or he would sometimes speak in code. And the pursuit of that would then be trying to figure out the mysteries. It was called Gnosticism. Uh, Everyone say Gnosticism. And so that was a big competitor with Christianity because people liked being on the inside. It's so nice to be on the inside of things, right? It's so nice to know something secret that no one else knows. The Christian church has fallen into this sometimes. You know, my family is Roman Catholic, and so anytime that I go to Mass, I always follow Uncle Jacques. I get him in the room and I do all the motions that he does because I look super Protestant in a Catholic mass, y'all. I have no idea when to get up, when to get down. I say more of the Lord's Prayer than I'm supposed to. I make the sign of the cross weird. I don't know. Then they're kneeling. I'm like, oh no, I wasn't prepared. It didn't stretch beforehand. But Christians love that feeling. But this passage right here shows us that the Christian walk, the, the Christian life is actually more wide open than we might originally think see, the thing is that Christ seeks after us. We simply need to respond. You see, Christ seeks after us. We simply need to respond. Knock, and the door will be open. Seek, and you will find. I've shared before, but I grew up fundamentalist, and so every time I read this passage, I want to say, seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and the door shall be opened unto you. I see this, and I know that, friends, God is not some sort of mystery that we can never fully comprehend. Rather, God came down and dwelt among us. God is listening for the knock on the door. God is there for us to find. And why? Well, Christ comes near because Christ is good. God is good to us, and that is why we can find God in Christ. That's why Jesus is accessible to us. When we ask for bread, we get bread. We don't get rocks. When we ask for fish, we get fish, not a copperhead snake. We get what we ask for because God is good and wants to have a relationship with us. And you see, as Christ transforms our hearts, we must do the work to transform our circles so let's talk about stones and snakes. So Jesus says this very strange thing that scared me as a child because God wants to remind us that the goal here is not to become a good person. The the bar friends for parenting is not well when my kid asks for fish I don't give him snakes. That's not the bar, right? The bar is much higher to be a good parent, right? But I'd say that's a good baseline. I think I think if your kid asks for a goldfish and you give him a python, I think you go below that line, right, friends? If your kid asks for an uncrestable and you give him a rock and you kind of wing it at him, that's not good, you know? We, we, should, we, could, we could probably workshop that as parenting, right, friends? But that's not a marker of a good parent. That's just barely scraping by. And so our goal in this life is not to become a good person. It's so much more than that. Our goal, friends, is to bring about the kingdom of God in our lives and in our circles. The goal is not to just be a good person. The goal is to transform our neighborhood, to change our circles, to change our families, to change our lives by bringing about God's kingdom. And so the next thing I want you to know is that the goodness we bring to our circles then isn't ours, but it's heavenly. When we bring goodness to our circles, it's not ours that we bring. It's God's goodness that we bring. I say that because I want you to give yourself a break. I don't know about you, but sometimes I don't feel very holy. I don't feel like I have it all together. I feel like I make mistakes, like I make missteps, and I feel like what goodness can I possibly show? But then when I can remember, that it's not my job to create the goodness, but rather to carry the goodness. I feel the pressure relieving just a little bit. I don't know if you've ever worked in food service, but that is, um, it should be a requirement uh, to live in society. I think you should have to work at a bagel shop, You know, deal with people who are asking for their morning cup of coffee. I worked at Starbucks in college. I was the opener for Starbucks in college. And so if you come here on the Sunday morning at 6 a.m., I'm already here because I'm used to it, man. You know, I've been in the trenches, you know. There's something about meeting someone at 7 a.m. who really needs a cup of coffee that helps you practice empathy, uh, helps you practice patience, you know. But the thing about being a barista, as I was, is I didn't roast the beans, you know. I didn't make the creamer. I... The Frappuccino was just me pumping stuff into a... By the way, don't order Frappuccinos first thing in the morning. No one at Starbucks is happy that you've done that. I just, that's, that's, my, that's my two cents. It's, it's drip coffee until 9 a.m., friends. Let's, let's be Christians. But that work is such that I didn't make those things, and so if people didn't like the taste of Starbucks coffee, it wasn't my fault. And so when I carry goodness into the world, stay with me here, I promise this analogy will make sense. Give me a minute. So when I carry goodness into the world, it's not my goodness that I'm carrying. And so I don't need to be perfect. I simply need to point to the one who's perfect within me. I don't need to be good necessarily. I need to point to the goodness that God is making within me. So here's the second half of our scripture. Therefore, you should treat people in the same way that you want people to treat you. This is the law and the prophets. Go in through the narrow gate. The gate that leads to destruction is broad and the road wide, so many people enter through it. But the gate that leads to life is narrow and the road difficult, so few people find it. So this is the golden rule, right, friends? We've heard this before. If you've been to preschool, if you've been to kindergarten, you've heard this. Treat others as you would like to be treated. It's the golden rule. It's the law and the prophets. It's everything all together. If you wanted to just reduce everything that the Bible teaches into one thing, Jesus says, treat others as you want to be treated. This is how you can know that you are following the law and the prophets. This is a rabbinical device that rabbis used in Jesus' day. It's the law and the prophets. It's everything all together. But I have something controversial that you've you've already seen here on the screen that I want to say. I think the only reason why the golden rule is popular is because it's misunderstood. I think treat others as you'd like to be treated makes a wonderful bumper sticker and it is hard to live out, friends. Because if you're really to live it out, if you're really to look at what it means to treat others as you'd like to be treated, what that looks like in your day-to-day, it's foolishness for this world. Treat others as you want to be treated. I don't know if you know who's included in others, but it's everyone. And there's like 8 billion of us right now. I got to tell you, there's probably a few in that 8 billion that you don't like. And you don't want to treat them as you'd like to be treated. You'd like to treat them as um, something you get to beat up, right? You'd like to maybe treat them as a punching bag, right? Right? You'd like to treat them as the mirror that you have monologues with them every morning to tell them what it's really like. I don't know about you, but I've won a lot of debates in my bathroom mirror and I'm good. I'm really, really good at those debates. But if I'm going to treat others as I'd like to be treated, that is going to hurt, friends. it's going to be painful work. That's going to be work that causes us to let go of things that we want to hold on to. It's going to cause us to stretch beyond what is comfortable. Holiness then, opening the door to Christ then, if we're really going to follow Jesus, the very first step is tied to how we treat others. Biblical knowledge, prayer, worship, church community, all of those things are so important. But if I'm Jesus is saying here, the law and the prophets begins with and ends with, Treat others as you would like to be treated. If we're going to walk the narrow path, it begins with radical hospitality. It doesn't end with radical hospitality. It begins with radical hospitality. Treating others, people that don't deserve it, like we want to be treated, is the beginning stages of God working holiness into our lives. And as Christ transforms our hearts, we must do the work to transform our circles. So what does it mean to walk with me? What does it mean to walk with someone? Well, it means letting go of this reputation that Christians have developed over the years. And that's the reputation of knowing everything. Christians have developed this kind of brand that shows that we kind of know it all. We got it all together we're perfect, we're pristine, we got manicured hedges, we know what we're doing, and we have to let go of that. Christ's message is sufficient for us to understand the world around us. Don't mishear me. I believe in all of the books of the Bible, and there within are how instructions on how I can live my life. It is sufficient to live a life of holiness. But friends, who here wants to remain just sufficient? there are so many things that we can learn from people around us. There are so many ways and perspectives that can challenge us, push us, cause us to to, to work out our own faith. But when we, as Christians, put on this mantle of knowing it all, we miss out on what the world around us can teach us. New perspectives. And as Christ transforms our hearts, we must do the work to transform our circles. And friends, let me tell you how this, how this relates to radical hospitality. If the church could just reclaim humility, our invites would be worth listening to. I saw a, st- a statistic this week that needs to get into all of our minds if we call ourselves Christians. 30% of Americans identify their religious affiliation as none. Not N-U-N, but N-O-N-E. None. 30%, friends. And and let me tell you something even more than that. Uh, To say that you are none, have no religious affiliation, 67% of that, 30%, have no religious affiliation at all. Meaning, they don't care enough about religion to call themselves an atheist or agnostic. Friends, the church is missing out on the work that God has called us to. 30% of our neighbors haven't seen the life of Christ lived out in the church enough to tick a box that says that they're a Christian. The church has not shown a missional outreach a face of love and openness and care and a listening ear enough for people to lie on a census form. Friends, that's not the bar of a good church family, friends. Hear me. We have not reached the level of handing out snakes for fish. We need to strive then, friends, to go beyond that and create an environment of radical hospitality. And let me tell you why I think this is happening. One of the main things is the circles that we cultivate, friends. The circles that we cultivate within the church and outside the church have increasingly become echo chambers. Echo chambers are this this idea that you can cultivate and create an environment where you're never challenged on the things that you hear. Social media has made it possible. There's this beautiful button called the block button. And boy, was I good at it, especially in the last election season, which by the way, I don't know if y'all know this, another one's coming up. I feel like it just finished, but we get to do this again. And in that season, the block button, man, I was mashing it so much. If they charged me for it, they'd have made a lot of money. But we're able to cultivate this environment where the only thing that we hear are things that we agree with. We're able to cultivate social circles, social media circles. They never challenge our worldview. They never challenge what we believe. They never contradict what we think. And friends, I think the echo chamber is making the church less relevant than she has ever been. Friends, I have to push you. If you don't find your beliefs challenged on a weekly basis, what is your circle like? To cultivate a circle that only affirms what you already think is to be so comfortable in our life that holiness is not going to come to us. If you look at the circle that Jesus cultivated, if you look at his disciples, you see a group of people that, if they were locked in a phone booth, would fight to the death. Everyone on that team hated each other for a different reason. You had Levi, the tax collector, who was a Roman through practice and deed. You had Thaddeus, who was, and and James, the zealot, who was a zealot, meaning he was not a fun guy to be around. Judas Iscariot, his last name meant that he was a part of a group that used to stab Romans and run away. That's a fun Bible fact just for you. And so what did Jesus say? Hey guys, let's hang out. Let's all get together. That would be fun, The arguments that they must have had, none of them were all one political affiliation. They would have ticked red, they would have ticked blue. And one of them, probably James, would have been a Green Party person, okay? They they were all in this space and they were all mushed together arguing. And the only thing they had in common, friends, the only thing they had in common was Jesus Christ. When did the church lose that? When did we lose our ability to be in a space of people that we disagree with about pretty much anything other than the gospel of Jesus Christ? Y'all got me preaching now. You know, friends, we want to be heard. Every human being wants to be heard, safe, heard, and loved. It is time for the church to do that for our neighbors. You know, the way that we want to be treated is to be heard. When will the church begin to do that? And if you're not close to your friends, this this is my last challenge that I have for you today if you're not close to, and I don't just mean like Christian close, like you're witnessing to someone, if you're not close to someone different than you, might I suggest you're missing out on radical hospitality. If the people that are in your inner circle look like you, vote like you, think like you, and pray like you, friends, I don't know. I don't know if you're experiencing the beautiful joy of radical hospitality, the beautiful bothersome thing that is radical hospitality the beautiful painful bit that god has called us to which is opening the door wider and wider so that they might interact with the god of the universe who will bring change who will bring hope and transform hearts as christ transforms our hearts we must do the work to transform our circles To follow Christ requires from us a willingness to love and welcome in a way that is peculiar to the world. Let's love big and broaden our circles. Let's pray together. All right, friends. I hope you heard something in today's message that made an impact in your life, helped you know that you're loved by God and inspired you to do something about the gospel that is offered to you. Now receive this blessing as you go. May the Lord bless you and keep you May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.